I am one of the academics that argues that these mRNA products, which everybody calls vaccines, are qualitatively different than standard vaccines. And so I found it fascinating to learn that Merriam-Webster changed its definition of vaccine early this year. mRNA products did not meet the definition of vaccine that has been in place for 15 years at Merriam-Webster, but the definition was expanded such that mRNA products are now vaccines. I highlight this to ask a question. How would you feel about mandating COVID vaccines if we didn't call them vaccines? What if these injections were called drugs instead? So here's the scenario. We have this drug and we have evidence that it doesn't prevent infection, nor does it stop viral transmission. But the drug is understood to reduce your risk of becoming very sick and dying of COVID. Would you take a dose of this drug every six months or so for possibly the rest of your life? If that's what it took for the drug to stay effective? Would you not just take this drug yourself, but support regulations mandating that everybody else around you take this drug? Or would you say, hold on a sec. Maybe you'd say that if that's all the drug does, why not use a normal medicine instead? The kind we take when we're sick and want to get better. And why would you mandate it? The point is just because we call it a vaccine doesn't mean we should assume these new products are just like all other childhood vaccines which get mandated. Each product is a different product. And if people are okay with mandating something simply because it's a vaccine and we mandate other vaccines, so why shouldn't we mandate this? I think it's time to inject some critical thinking into that conversation. And that is what I hope we're doing today. Thank you. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode four of Nothing Going On Here, The Power of One in Interesting Times. The voice you heard was that of Peter Doshi, the associate editor of the British Medical Journal and associate professor of pharmaceutical health services research at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, speaking at the November 2nd expert panel on US federal vaccine mandates. Peter Doshi asked the question, what if the COVID-19 vaccines were called drugs instead of vaccines? But what if they were called gene therapies? Speaking at the World Health Summit 2021, Stefan Ulrich, member of the board of management of Bayer, one of the world's leading pharmaceutical multinationals, defines the mRNA technologies as exactly that. He then went on to say, that if mRNA technologies had been presented to the public as gene or cellular therapies instead of as vaccines, the vast majority of people would have refused to take them. Take a listen. Ultimately, the, uh, the mRNA vaccines uh, are an example for that uh, cell and gene therapy. I always like to say, if we had surveyed two years ago uh, in the public, would you be willing to take uh, uh, gene, th gene or cell therapy and inject it into your body, we would have probably had a 95% refusal rate. I think uh, this pandemic has also opened many people's eyes to, to innovation in the way that uh, was maybe not possible before. I was recently sent a video taken on a mobile phone uh, that I find so disturbing, it's hard to put it into words. It's in French, so I asked my friend Yannick to translate it for me, which he kindly did, even though he's a very busy man. To set the scene, the event took place at Ambroise Paré Hospital in Mons, Belgium, and was filmed by a patient 
with COVID. Slumped on the floor in the corridor against some plastic seats was a woman who was eight months pregnant. She was also suffering from COVID and on top of that had gestational diabetes. That's the kind that can sometimes develop during pregnancy. She was clearly exhausted. Both patients had been refused treatment because they were not vaccinated. The woman on the phone expresses her horror and disbelief at what she is seeing going down. There are lots of doctors, lots of nurses that pass by, but nobody seems to notice. I went to ask the imbeciles at the emergency desk to help her, but they say they can't do anything because of the protocol and they were just following orders. I asked them to at least give her a stretcher so she could lie down properly. But no, we have no permission, they said. This is the way it is now. Do you understand what I'm telling you? This is the way it is. I do not know what kind of world we are heading towards, but frankly, I am disgusted. I condemn Ambroise Paré. It is nauseating, disgraceful. There is no more humanity. I'm absolutely shocked. What will remain of us if we keep going in this direction? What do we now accept that earlier would have horrified us to the core? Where is the line where we say, enough? No, I cannot support this. What are we willing to stand up for? What are we willing to condone? I don't have a link for this video, but if anyone wants to see it for themselves, they can contact me at nothing going on here one at protonmail.com that's nothing going on here all lowercase one the number not the word at protonmail.com and now a personal journal entry as i see it we just need to hold out a bit longer they said just follow the rules just believe without asking questions and we'll all get back to the world we used to know. Together, they said, we can do it together. They gathered around that old world like doctors in the ER. We're starting compressions, ready for defib. But I have stopped pounding on that unresponsive heart. I know a corpse when I see one, even one that's painted and dressed up with a hand up its back, making its mouth move and make sounds almost like words. Grief, that's what it felt like. Still does, but it gets easier. When I look back, I see the bridge way off in the distance now, the one that used to separate the before world from this not new world, not even close, a kind of wasteland, no man's land. There are no signposts here, and it's dark as confusion. You have to grope your way forward. It's filled with a low buzzing hum that makes it hard to think straight. 
There's a fog bank where the horizon should be. People stumble past me like they're in a daze. Some of them bump into me. They're easily startled, jumping at their own shadows. I'm not sure if they can see me. Perhaps I'm a ghost. I look back at the burning bridge that's now collapsing into a river turned red from the fires, and it's like a knife blade goes through my heart. I try to see ahead, but I can only make out a few steps in front. It's chaos at first. I don't know what to do here. I see some other people I recognize, but we're all dislocated as if we're talking to each other through reinforced glass. Everything feels unstable, even the ground under my feet. All my senses are upside down. But gradually, I began to see and hear more clearly. I adapt to the hum and the shrieking winds, the thin layer of blindness over everything and the enfolding shrouds of emptiness. But the things I see and hear sometimes make me wish I was blind and deaf. I see with a growing horror how people have changed and impossibly fast. They speak in slogans and platitudes. They seem afraid and dangerous at the same time. They stop saying hello. Then they stop smiling. Then they don't even look at me anymore. Eyes peering over the edge, into the void, terrified or frozen. Only the children seem still alive. They can make eye contact with me, so I must still exist. It's the only true life left, and I... I want to protect it, but they're being dragged around by the unseen. I feel nauseous. I'm haunted by every dystopian film I've ever seen. Damn, why did I watch so many? I tell myself to snap out of it. I consider very seriously that I might be insane. And I try to pretend that everything is normal, but it makes me feel sick to my bones. Even my marrow is in mourning. I walk across half-familiar landscapes that now seem like battlefields. A familiar face emerges from the haze, but she talks as if nothing has changed, about her garden, something about floor tiles. I can see the bridge burning behind her head, and I want to grab her by the collar and shake her and scream, wake up, can't you see what's happened? But instead I say, that's nice. What's new with you, she says. I decide not to reply that I'm grieving for the end of the world and, and tell her, nothing much. She seems unsatisfied, so I add hurriedly, I'm thinking about getting new floor tiles. She nods approvingly. I grieve in double time for the very space to think and say things that I truly feel, the space for others to do the same. Sometimes I try, but I get that look. Just one more sacrifice and we'll be free again. Don't be selfish. Play your part in the experiment. It's the only way back. And then their whiskers quiver in a threatening way. I hope you're not a bad rat. I can almost hear the thickened blood gurgling. Sometimes I can't help myself and I blurt out, but can't you see the bridges on fire? Ah, they say, but they promised us a new bridge. Didn't you hear? Follow us. We'll show you the way. 
we come to a crossroads. One direction is lit like a shopping mall and moves like a conveyor belt. There's all manner of things to buy and spectacles to watch along the route. Most are moving this way. They're escorted by faceless entities that scan everyone as they enter like products. I see some people pushing off others who fall into a large steel gutter either side that gets drained every hour. I wonder where they go. The other way stretches into a vast unknown, but there is another light there. It's familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. And, the, and then I laugh because I realize it's the sunrise. I instinctively turn towards it. There are very few who are going this way, but they're smiling real smiles and helping one another. And they're walking with the power of their own legs and their own bodies. Someone grabs me from behind. You're going the wrong way, he says. I recognize him as one of my neighbors. His eyes are blazing with fear. Be afraid with us, they seem to say. I want to tell him that I am afraid. I'm really afraid. But our fears are very different. They say the new world might be even better than the old, he says, and he takes his place on the conveyor belt and removes his cap to be scanned. Just be a good rat and then you'll see. But who is they? Who is running the experiment? I look in the direction he's heading and I can see a dark opening at the end like a, like a mouth with lips sucked of all colour. It extinguishes the light in each one that passes through it. Some are smiling as they go through, but it's not a real smile, just a hole in the face. I can't go down there, I protest, and neither should you. This can't lead to a better world. Come this way instead. My neighbor peers suspiciously into the vastness behind me and shakes his head. Together, I say, we can go there together. But I've exhausted his attention and the conveyor belt has taken, taken him out of the earshot anyway. I watch mesmerized until his light goes out. And then I see the opening to the other world he spoke of, far off in the distance. And out he comes with millions of others. Their eyes are like steel blades, mindless, cruel, and dumb. I continue on alone into the vast unknown. I spend my days sometimes wrapped in nostalgia, old memories resurfacing like scenes from dusty rolls of films from the golden age of cinema. I watch them laughing and crying like a crazy person, revisiting the departed, making my peace with it all. How fortunate I've been, how grateful I am. And then, one day, it's over. I wake up. My chest is free of the past. I meet more bad rats. We break bread together. We share our stories. We share our grief. And it gets easier. I still see the burning bridge behind every talking head, but I've learned not to dwell on it. I have found a way forward now one step at a time, and my sights are set on that far-off sunrise 
with a few bad and beautiful rats by my side. You can find links to all the stories and clips under the player for this episode for grief. Remember, my friends, you are one person, so you can do something. See you next time. Bon courage.